And welcome in. You are listening to the Comenius Institute on RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh, intersecting and weaving wisdom and knowledge on this platform, uh, trying to really expose all the great things happening in our community. Dr. Mark, how are you today? Doing really well. Looking forward to a great discussion with New Era Church today. We're anxious for uh, that to happen. We've got great, they've got some great programs going on. And then in the second hour, we're going to be talking about what we often talk about, and that is the connection between black and white churches in Indianapolis. Uh, I guess we're the role models for that initiative. And uh, what we're going to do is take a short music break. When we come back, we want to introduce the great people at New Era Church and the great program Operation More Hope that they're doing right now. So stick and stay. We'll be right back with you on Warp and Wolf Radio on RadioNext.tv. And we are back. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site at RadioNext.tv. And uh, today, man, we're going to get all the way in, not waste too much time. Normally, we come and Dr. Mark and myself, we sit up and try to uh, dissect different issues and problems that we have in our community. But today... We have the man, the myth, the legend, Pastor Clarence Moore, is in the house with the first lady, too. How honored are we to have him in? And what we want you to do is just please, if you could, go around the table, Pastor, starting with you. Uh, give a little introduction, first lady. And I see you got your two henchmen with you in here. So uh, let's introduce those people. Uh, thank you, Harold. Yes, um, I am uh, Pastor Clarence Seymour of the New Era Church. And uh uh, we uh, have brought with us uh, our children's ministry director, uh, our uh, assistant children's ministry director, and our executive pastor. Mm. And uh, Dr. Mark, well, we want to just uh, kind of share uh, why we believe the church should leave th their walls mm. and extend uh, themselves into the community, mm. especially in those places where our children are disadvantaged. Mm. And so we're excited about uh, what we're doing there in this particular after-school program, and uh, thank you for inviting us on. Oh, we're so pleased that you're here. Thank you ever so much for spending some time with us. We're really grateful for that. And we want to make sure to get you as much exposure to this new program that you have as possible. So feel free to take uh, the podcast. Those of you who uh, might be anxious to listen but can't really stay with us the whole time, there will be a podcast of this that you can pick up at ComeniusInstitute.org later on. Or just follow me on Facebook, uh, Mark Eckel, ECK. K E L, or shoot me a uh, text or a message. Uh, you can uh, email me at echo1957 at gmail. Well, let's get right to it and talk about uh, this this brand new uh, operation that you have going here. In fact, it's actually called Operation More Hope. Yes. Uh, what is this Operation More Hope? Kind of fill this out for us. All right. I'm going to let our children's ministry leader, uh, Hope, uh, share uh, how we initiated and how this the genesis of this uh program. Good morning and thank you for having us. Um, Operation More Hope is an after-school remediation program. It's a program that works in partnership with uh, IPS School 42, a couple of, of our uh, other partners, Bridges of Hope, Connection Point Church, uh, the Jewish community, and we we have a partnership where we work with disadvantaged, or I should say, kids that don't have a disability in learning, 
but kids that are a dis at a disadvantage for learning. Mm. These kids are typically a couple of, of grade levels below where they should be. Mm. And so our after school program takes them in and we try to bring them up to grade level. That's some really great stuff. The, the emphasis of the next generation uh, is really huge for us. Uh, let's take that to that note then, uh, to the next generation, and ask, uh, why is it that you've come to this place as a church, that you've decided that this is so important for you as a church? Well, we, our mission statement, uh, the last prong, we have a four-prong mission statement. The last one says to be a conscience in the community. Mm. In other words, the community need to know uh, that we are a force uh, for, for God and a force for good. And so in order for us to fulfill our mission statement, we need to have some very tangible and some uh, uh, ways in which we are actually doing what we say we should be doing. Mm -hmm. And Operation More Hope is one of the ministries that has helped us tremendously put our tentacles out into the community and grab some of these kids that... Uh, you know, my, my whole my whole saying, Mark, has been that there's nothing wrong with the seed. It's the soil That's it. in which those kids have been dropped in. Right. And so what New Era Church is trying to do is to nourish the soil mm. to provide a better environment around these children so mm. that, as Hope said, these kids have great potential. Mm. They've just been disadvantaged in mm. uh, getting the help they need to, to blossom. Mark and I, uh, pastors, say this just all the time about, uh, and I'm firstly, I'm so happy that you said not at risk. Um, I call it disenfranchised, and I use this analogy Absolutely. all the time about if you went out to play football, another team had helmets, pads, cleats, and pants, and all you had was a helmet. Um, you're not at risk. You're, you don't have the same tools to operate and play the game fair. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I am so happy that you chose remedial education as one of the missions um, we are lacking in our community so much with these young people going into the educational institutions not being prepared to even know that's why they're there. Absolutely. So, so we get them in the second grade and start trying to teach curriculum, and they're just learning how to sit in a classroom. Absolutely. So I am just happy that you're taking remedial uh, 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 as, as a platform to really, because once they become empowered and excited about learning, you can't stop them. And most of the time they're not excited because they can't even function Absolutely. at the level. So uh, Operation More Hope is needed in this, you know, right now, mm -hmm. today. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that is the, uh, I think that's the hallmark that separates OMH from other after-school programs. We are not a place where you can just come and do homework, what has been assigned in the class. Our main goal is to take those kids who are missing major components in their education and fill in those gaps. And what we've seen is if we can help a kid learn how to do their phonetic sounds, mm. help a kid learn how to do their blends, learn how to chunk, learn how to divide words, then that kid can start to read. And if they can start to read, then they can catch up. Mm -hmm. But it's very difficult when you sit in a first grade class, you don't even know your letter recognition, but, but yet you're expected to keep up with kids who have been in preschool since they were three. And that, that's what we're finding the major difference is, is that these kids are behind before they even get to school. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Absolutely, yeah. and the catch-up is hard. And, and th 
I have a nonprofit. That's the reason I'm sitting over here getting chills because the, yeah. the community rule is the reading, understanding, learning, education uh, model that is built exactly off of this premise. We have to teach sight words. We have to teach phonemic awareness. We have to teach phonics early. Um, people out there listening, the reason they're building prisons by the time these kids are in the third grade is they don't go back mm-hmm. and teach this. Yeah. Um, and that That's is right. a sad state. I mean, you know, it's really sick that if you don't learn it and you get in the sixth grade and you still don't know it, well, we're not teaching that again. Right. So programs like this are absolutely necessary mm-hmm. for kids who get a late start exactly. um, in, in trying to read, yeah. comprehend, and understand. Because once they get to the eighth and ninth grade level, you you have to write about what you read (laughs) you know what a lot of people don't understand and you just reference it that third grade to prison pipeline yeah they do not teach reading after third yeah and so if you can't teach reading after third grade then you can't comprehend you can't analyze you can't do anything so it's 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 like missing your plane. I mean, it's like exactly. missing exactly. the boat that's getting ready to take sail. Exactly. Wow. For every third grade boy of color, and that is black boys, Latino boys, for every third grade boy of color who cannot read by third grade, a prison cell is built because they understand that that is the only option that they have. Mark, before we go any further, we, we just did a town hall forum last night on understanding special needs education. And we oh, wow. Had, we had Dr. Jane Yip in the house, and she yes. is a neuroscientist that does brain mapping. Mm. And right now, and then please listen to me when I tell you this, she's done a study and said that the second through fourth grade African-American boys specifically and young men of color their frontal lobe is so dull, and right now it should be at the most heightened and most aware state. It should be full of color and activity. And she said that the African-American young boys, second through the fourth grade, their frontal lobe is actually just like non-existent. Mm-hmm. So whatever we're teaching, mm-hmm. mainstream curriculum is not connecting with mm. these young brothers um, that we're doing. And, and, and I go deeper and say they somebody's got to know this. Somebody's got to know. One of the things that's uh, that's really powerful in this whole discussion is that a local church is doing this and that you're connecting to an IPS school. And this is the essential Absolutely. element to uh, what Titus t- tells us. Actually, one of the watchwords for this show is do good, do good, do good. Yes. So what is the church doing good in the neighborhood uh, that we can reach out to people who literally need our help? And to your point about reading, uh, my wife is a second grade uh, teacher and listening this morning and is probably uh, standing up, raising holy hands and shouting amen <laughs> for amen. all of your good comments yeah. today. So uh, we're really gra- grateful for this. And before we do go on break, uh, HB, let's just get a little bit b- more background to uh, the OMH and what does it stand for? Why did you put more hope in there? I think that's an important question. <laughs> that's, that's, that is a great question. I, I I guess it's kind of a play on words. Okay. Uh, the the founder and the visionary uh, happens to be Hope, and her last name happens to be Moore. Okay. And so we we kind of played around with the words and said, you know what, you're you're so passionate. You've heard her passion mm-hmm. about trying to bring hope to all children. Mm-hmm. Why don't we call it Operation More Hope? Uh, so that's how we got to that look place. At you. <laughs> Ah. (laughs) This program program was originally called Operation Red Hope Mm. because 
our goal is to lift the kids. In a school system, you have kids that are green, that are on level, kids that are yellow, that are just on the bubble with a little help, they can push up the green. And then you have those kids that are red, those kids that are below level. And so we wanted to offer hope to those kids who are below level, get them on mm -hmm. reading level. And so we were advised though by a uh, visionary, her name, I can't think of her last name, but she was the social worker at School 42, uh, Mrs. Hawa, who helped us figure out don't just offer an after-school program. Offer a program that's going to have huge impact. Mm -hmm. Get those kids that are below to come up to level. Right. And we had originally tapped the program to be named Operation Red Hope, but because we were concerned that the kids yep. might decide right. that, hey, they're singling me out that's right. for something mm -hmm. you know, that I can't achieve, so we were advised not to call it Operation Red, mm -hmm. and that's how we That's right. Them. This is huge, HB. Uh, we're really happy to hear about another uh, great church in Indianapolis that's doing good in the neighborhood. I do believe it's time for a break. It's time for a break, but you know the kid in me won't let this get bad. Pastor <laughs> <laughs> Clarence Seymour, you're a bad man. Oh, bless you. Bless I'm with you when you're right. We'll be right back. You're you a great team. Welcome Brady on the cool group. <laughs> Folks going to... Oh, look at me. I, you just broke in on me. Look <laughs> That's at how that. we do it. This yeah. is Internet Radio, Dr. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> we are so happy that we have New Era Church in the house today, uh, Pastor Clarence C. Moore and uh, company. And we're really grateful that you are doing good in the neighborhood as it relates to where you are in Indianapolis. And we wanted to uh, just go back for a moment to the question of School 42. Uh, tell us where School 42 is in relationship uh, to your church, and then uh, kind of spin off into that and talk about the average day for Operation More Hope. Great. We're going to have Reuben Davis, uh, who's very instrumental in uh, the operational piece of uh, OMH. So, Reuben, if you could uh, share with the audience. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, and uh, thank you for having us, Dr. Moore. We're really happy you're here. Uh, so our average day at uh, OMH is uh, that we would bring the kids in after school, and the kids would come over on a, on a school bus. School 42 has been uh, really great about uh, partnering with us to make sure that this program works. Um, and I, I believe that a lot of that is because they understand that we are there uh, for them, we under, they understand that uh, they are a part of our community, and uh, as a church, we are really there to help them fill in the gap, and uh, and that's the job of the church it, anyway, isn't it? Um, but they start their day by uh, showing up on the bus. We gather them, uh, bring them in, uh, make sure that they uh, are uh, safely uh, brought into the building. Uh, we give them handshakes, high fives, mm -hmm. and all kinds of hugs. Let, let, let me, let me, won't you share this too, Ruben, in that uh, the school believes so much in our programming in that they provide the transportation mm. to our church. That's so good. That's how much and how they feel about that programming. Right, okay, so once they get there, keep going. I'm sorry. Right, no, that's important. Um, and, and that also, again, shows how, uh, how connected we are to this this school as a part of our community mm. uh, but the kid the kids they show up and when they show up they're welcomed by warm faces uh, warm mm. hearts uh, and a warm meal mm. which is also uh, uh, important to our program because we understand uh, mm. that a lot of children uh, uh, 
when it comes to nutrition, mm -hmm. um, a lot of children are lacking in that department. Uh, we don't want uh, children to go unfed. Mm -hmm. So before uh, we decide to uh, begin on homework and go into our remediation, we always start the evening with mm -hmm. a warm meal. Mm -hmm. And we have some uh, great volunteers who uh, come in and, and they act as acting grandmothers to these mm -hmm. children. We actually call them the grandma chefs. Oh, uh, nice. So that's a small little shout out to them. Yeah. Uh, but they come in early and cook meals for the children. And mm. uh, the, we're talking about high nutritional value mm. meals, mm -hmm. uh, meals that uh, would give them actual energy. Yes. Um, so we start their day like that. And then after uh, dinner, mm. uh, the children uh, have a model that they do, mm. uh, which has been amazing, but it, it, it's a, it's something that gets into the hearts of them mm -hmm. and also helps them to understand what their mission is uh, here at OMH. Then we start, uh, then we go into enrichment uh, time, which give them, gives the children an extra uh, period of uh, development outside of homework. Uh, but when we say enrichment, we, uh, we go into things that connect the dots for them um, and makes it exciting. It's a, it's a bit of a brain break for them as well, but it also... Uh, has them engaged in learning mm. and uh, uh, we're talking character building activities uh, they learn about uh, different cultures uh, uh, a lot of our volunteers have been instrumental as well about uh, bringing in some great enrichment ideas uh, they've learned about uh, Hawaiian culture they've learned about uh, Jewish culture they've learned about uh, so many different things. They sing, so they dance, they, sing, they, dance. they yeah. do karate, they do a lot of different things. Absolutely. One of the things that's really uh, that just kind of jumps off the page at me here is uh, is this concept of Hebraic education. Mm. To the Hebrews, it was a holistic education, and Absolutely. not one aspect of the person was left out. Right. So the importance of the physicality of the individual is huge. And I also have to say this. I mean, this sounds like it's you know going to be kind of redundant, but if you have men such as yourselves there, absolutely, with young men, yes. I mean, how much more important is that? <laughs> you have men yeah. with young men. Right. Maybe you could spin off on that just a touch and talk about the importance of male role models in this program. Take a take a shot at that. Absolutely, that's the beautiful part about our church as well is that mm. we have a lot of uh, men who stand in as uh, role models. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of our volunteers who show up. Mm. happen to be men and uh, the children just to, to be able to see a stand-up guy uh, in their presence uh, sometimes these guys have to correct them and um, this this comes uh, uh, at the most appropriate time for mm. them because mm -hmm. um, a lot of these kids are developing mm -hmm. they're uh, understanding their their world and they're understanding their place especially the young boys uh, in this in this in mm. this world and so to see a man and how this man operates and right. uh, how this man is there for th for them, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a great thing. It's a character building thing, mm. um, and uh, we 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 get a lot of mentorship out of that for the mm. children. So you know, if yeah. I could, if Go I can jump in too, Ruben, uh, you know, you think this is a predominantly African American church, you know, every church is, mm -hmm. but this particular program we have men across ethnic lines that come in. That's great. So we have our white brothers, uh, and then we have also African-American brothers. So these young, these men or these children, they see men. Yes. You know, and, and so if there are any young men out there of European descent, mm -hmm. and, uh, hey, there's a place for you at New York Church, 
Every week. Hey, how, how often we do this program, Ruben? Monday through Thursday. Monday through four days. Okay. And uh, and we've only told you half of it. So uh, okay. finish out the, the last half of that. It's, uh, Sister Hope, if you would, real quickly. Okay. So the kids come in, they eat, they go through some type of fun enrichment, something to, like Ruben said, a brain break, but something that's mm -hmm. always also teaching them that's expanding, that's broadening their horizons. Mm -hmm. uh, after that, we uh, do we do math. We do math for about 10 minutes a day. We may do multiplication, division, addition, but this is primarily a reading program because we know if you can read, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. But we did find that we do need to put a, a math component in it. So we do 10 minutes fast math, math every day and then we after that we spend 35 to 40 minutes working in small groups preferably one-on-one -on -one with the kids where they can uh, remediate where they can we find out through an assessment through their grades through talking to their teachers at 42 exactly where they are and what they need and then we tailor work that will move them up the spectrum so we spend about 30, 40 minutes there uh, in small groups or individually if we can. So that's about 40 minutes. And, and that group, that's who's so leading that activity? Those are our volunteers. Those are the volunteers those from the community. And, from the community. Mm -hmm. and if, if there is a need, that's where the greatest need is because we would love to put those kids one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. We found that that gives them the greatest chance of mentorship, mm -hmm. but also the greater chance of success. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we do that for about 40 minutes. Then we take a quick restroom break, and then we're off to spend an hour with a licensed certified teacher on their grade level in a very small group, maybe of three or four kids. They mm -hmm. spend an hour there, then it's time to go home. Mm. Isn't that amazing? That's fantastic. What we have invested in in ten to twelve teachers who come off their job, and some of them are retired, mm -hmm. come off their job and mm -hmm. spend another hour with children who've just left a classroom with thirty five kids in it, right. getting no individual attention. Right. All of a sudden, four times a week, mm -hmm. they sit with a teacher in that one hour, mm. two or three kids, unlocking their potential. This that, is a. Uh, to, to expand this a little bit even a little bit further one of the important concepts that comes out of the New Testament is this idea of imitation so when we talk about discipleship we talk mm. we use the word mentorship that's what we're talking about I think about uh, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 1 where he said you imitate me as I imitate Christ Absolutely. and so actually one of the Greek words there uh, actually the Greek word for imitation in Greek is mimic so literally, we are mimicking somebody else. So what you are doing in this Operation More Hope is you are setting folks in front of these little ones who they desperately need to mimic. And Absolutely. you are a Christian organization, a Christian yes. church who is doing good in the neighborhood. This is a huge, huge thing for everybody in your neighborhood. This is wonderful news. Absolutely. You know, Pastor Tony, who's here with us, our executive pastor, used to work in the school system. And so, uh, you know, Pastor Tony can tell you some of the horror stories. He mm -hmm. used to have to go into the schools. And Pastor Tony, if you just share a little bit why on you, because you saw the, the devastation of... Yes, absolutely, uh, Mark. You know, it's... It's imperative that um, 
the local church um, becomes more than just a place where we gather on Sunday, but yes. it, it has to kind of replace the decline of the community centers mm-hmm. and become a place for the the whole community uh, that we might be able to fill some of the gaps that's mm-hmm. missing in our community. Yeah. And yes, when I uh, uh, worked for the school system, spent about 14 years there, um, I saw some things that um, just disgust me mm-hmm. uh, as far as um, uh, our, our, our kids are concerned, especially those that uh, did not have the uh, resources, the tools that uh, other mm-hmm. families uh, had, and those kids were often kind of sidelined. Mm-hmm. You know, they're already behind, you mm-hmm. know, and now they're sidelined. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why I, I really believe in what we're doing at New Era mm-hmm. uh, with Operation More Hope, because not only are those kids coming in, mm-hmm. but uh, you mentioned something, the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Their their families, their that's uncles, right. their aunties, that's their right. grandparents are coming in. And not only do we we mentor and teach the kids, but mm-hmm. we're also there to mentor and, and help uh, to um, uh, uplift and mm-hmm. to uh, add value mm-hmm. uh, to those people that are in their families. I remember one of the uh, families, uh, it was a grandfather, mm-hmm. and um, the grandfather, he kept getting in accidents. So we began to talk with him and because he hadn't... Um, uh, been to an eye doctor in years, oh. <laughs> so we were able to get him an eye uh, appointment, and we went and purchased him some glasses. And mm-hmm. I mean, he's so grateful. But not only that, but uh, many of our families, um, they go to uh, our pantry mm-hmm. uh, for food. Uh, many of the families come to church uh, for worship uh, and, and get involved. And 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 what what we try to do is not provide handouts, but hand up. There it is. You know? There it is. And uh, I believe that through Operation More Hope, um, our community, um, School 42, um, is much stronger. And I believe that as we continue uh, to build those relationships, I believe the community is, mm-hmm. is seeing what's happening there. And uh, I believe that we really can be the hands, the feet, the voice of God. There you go. Ahead of the uh, famous lines that we always go to, HB, to do good from Titus 3, is this great line in Titus 2.10, which says that our responsibility is to make the gospel of Christ attractive. Yes. And so when we make the gospel of Christ attractive, we bring people in simply because we're doing good for them. Absolutely. And it just thrills my soul today to have you all here. Uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful uh, program. We're going to learn a little bit more about it after we take our next break. So you're listening to Warp and Woof Radio on RadioNext.tv. We'll be right back. RadioNext.tv. We are live on the Cool Groove site. Warp and Wolf Radio. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, and just honored to have New Era Church in the house today. Uh, Pastor Clarence C. Moore and First Lady Hope Moore and these two dynamic warriors. You How did you how did you pitch yourself with these warriors here, Pastor Moore? Because a you lot know, of time, I, I mean, we're talking about mimicking. Absolutely. But I'm listening to two brothers right here that's taking, I mean, he, they're, they're individual people. Absolutely. Absolutely. But they're taking the same message and, and making it happen, man, and that is power because it's hard. Thank you. Yeah. Hard for us to get to, get together and follow some direction. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I I guess I give it all the glory to God because mm-hmm. uh, uh, he has indeed blessed New York Church mm-hmm. with some incredible uh, talent and men who, who love him and men who love uh, our community. Mm-hmm. Well, you folks are really doing what Jesus did, and that is incarnational theology. Jesus came in flesh, 
uh, to the place. He met people where they were. He didn't expect them to be a certain thing or a certain place. Uh, he met them where they are. And certainly that's exactly what we are to be doing, incarnational theology, meeting people where they're at. Absolutely. So, Pastor, in in regards to incarnational theology, in regards to being uh, doing good in the neighborhood, uh, tell us some stories uh, about what OMH has done, Operation More Hope, and what kinds of things have you seen come out of this Absolutely. So many. And I've told Hope and Reuben and to start documenting uh, some of the stories uh, that we... But one that comes to mind, you know, you mentioned earlier, you read out of Titus, the importance of, of, of the church being attractive. That's right. Uh, we have one of our kids who came one day uh, who, uh, I'll call him Little C. Mm-hmm. Little C uh, came... Uh, one day was just troubled. He wasn't getting his work done. Um, we weren't sure what was going on with him. And so when he got to that phase where you're one-on-one with a teacher, mm-hmm. uh, she began to try to drill down on why he was getting in so much trouble. And, and so she said, write down what, what's going on with you. And he wrote down the things that he had done wrong. She said, now, so write down some things that's going on with, you know, that someone is hurting you. And he wrote those things down. And he put his pencil down and he said, you know what? I think I would do better if I just had a tea. She said, uh, a tea? She says, what, what would a tea do? He, she said, he said, well, that, that thing the people around here wear. She said, a tea? He says, yes, one of those. He pointed to the cross. Aww. He did not know that it was a cross, mm. but what he knew is that the people that wore the cross, mm. there's something special about them. Oh, my. I mean, every time I, I get chills and I cry mm-hmm. almost every time I tell mm-hmm. this story because he did not know what the cross was. He just knew the mm-hmm. people that symbolized or that represented the cross mm-hmm. were different than the people that he normally interacted with. Mm. And, I, and, and so that's, what's, that's the intangible kind of education going on the yeah. the influence that's going on in this programming mm-hmm. they're looking at the people's character that's how right. the genuine love that's right you know the genuine care mm-hmm. and uh and so uh we're working with reuben to get little c-a-t oh. so bef- so he there can wear it this summer there you go. uh and uh but that's just one powerful story that that and comes out of out. so many i'm sure that oh. you have uh, that that uh, is coming out of this really great work uh, I'm really taken by the idea that um, we have spent so much effort in the last 10 to 20 years on what's called apologetics in the church, that is to defend the faith. Right. And I've always thought we're doing this backwards. What we ought to be doing is doing good, which then attracts people to know why this thing is true that we say. Absolutely. Know why people are wearing the tea, you know, that Absolutely. kind of thing. And so the really apologetics, the defense of the faith, begins in our neighborhoods by doing good uh, for other folks. And I think that's really uh, what y'all are doing. I, I want to tell you, uh, you know, we partnered with a um, uh, predominantly white church in Brownsburg. Uh, pastor Steve Reeves is the pastor there in Connection Point. Mm-hmm. And so they partnered with one of the IPS schools also, along with our school, 42. And they tell the story how when they first started interacting with the principal, the principal was very anti-church, mm-hmm. just as our principal was at 42. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, after seeing their good, they just didn't. They just kept doing good. Mm-hmm. You know what started happening? They started taking their staff meetings to their church <laughs> from the school. That's great. Isn't that powerful? That is and wonderful. So that's stuff. that's what you're. We're glad to hear and yeah. talk about. 
these kinds of things are actually happening around Indianapolis. I'm thinking about Pastor Hank Hankerson down uh, near IPS School 105. Uh, off 42nd. Uh, their church building is literally right behind the IPS school. And when I went down to visit with them, with Pastor Hank, uh, their general comment, and I sat with both the administrator and the, and the assistant administrator, and they both said to me straight up, these folks from this church can come into our school building anytime, anytime, <laughs> because they don't know what they would do without them now. Absolutely. So you were talking earlier about the issue of volunteers and the importance of volunteers. Let's fill that out a little bit more and talk a little bit more about the volunteerism that is necessary in order for this kind of program to work effectively. Well, I mean, we're largely uh, based on volunteers, and uh, the wonderful part about the church as well is that um, uh, volunteers tend to step up and fill in the gap again. Mm -hmm. And you, you'll hear us say that a lot uh, because uh, we, we understand that that's, again, mm -hmm. uh, a, a huge job, but also the most important part mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the church. We're looking at uh, those deficits, and we're trying to mm -hmm. fill in the gap. Um, so when it comes to volunteerism, um, we, we again, uh, and Sister Hope mentioned this before, uh, that we um, have volunteers that work with the kids mm -hmm. during their homework hour, uh, and we would love to get to a point where we're one-on-one. -on -one. We've had uh, great organizations like um, uh, Bridges of Hope who also mm -hmm. uh, come out and help the kids. Uh, on Thursdays, they show up in droves, and uh, we on Thursdays tend to get to that one-on-one -on -one where the kids really, really get mm. uh, uh, the most out of it. Mm. So uh, we really need volunteers to uh, come in. We also need teachers to come in. Mm. And um, the way that they can do that, they can always contact me. Mm. Uh, uh, that would be Ruben Davis at rdavis at nne.org. Um, and I can be reached by phone as well, 317-222-7143. Um, and uh, just give us a give us a call, send us an email, and uh, tell us you're interested in helping with the, mm. our after school program. We're Monday through Thursday, uh, and we start at 4:30 for the volunteers, mm. and um, our our program ends around 6:50, 7 o'clock. Mm. Uh, but our teachers take the second half, so mm. volunteers uh, would only be there from 4:30 to about 5:30. Uh, but, yeah, we really could use volunteers from any organization, uh, any group. Yep. Um, you guys can all come out. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Sounds like you actually have an awful lot of deacons at your church, Pastor. This is, of course, uh, from the Greek word, which, uh, deaconos, which, which actually gives us this concept Servant. of servants. Mm -hmm. So the concept of service is what this is all about. Absolutely. And when you're volunteering in a church situation like this, you all are deacons and deaconesses, and you are <laughs> serving in that sense of things. There's a powerful word, H.P. Absolutely, and uh, I always like to say when people are getting paid, the incentive is to get a check but when people are just volunteering man helping is their hobby mm -hmm. and we have to get people who are just you know cheerful givers and want to be there and, and that's the difference between just good strong volunteer groups that's um, right. they want to be there um, Absolutely. so all we have to do is get the word out and let them know because I know a little army of folks that we can get over there because that's, that's their whole mission we're training them we're training them to be servants you know what I mean that's, so that's really um, because it's, it's a learn it's a learn behavior um, because most people are selfish. <laughs> we just are. Absolutely. You know? and, and if you don't believe me, give them a stack of about 10 pictures and have mm -hmm. one or two pictures of them in the picture. 
and then let them look through the other 20 where they're not and then you'll mm-hmm. kind of see where we are because oh yes. i mean really they'll scan through real quick if they don't see themselves but if they're in that snapshot jack i'm stopping <laughs> and looking and you know it's all good just you looking and you know it's all good just you looking and you know it's all good just you looking and you know it's all good just you looking and you know it's all good just you looking and you know it's all good just you looking and you know it's all good behavior i can't yeah. help it i just report the news so we're gonna come <laughs> well we need to take a break here at the top of the hour we will be back you're listening to radio TV at the cool groove site this is warp and woof radio we come to you every wednesday from 10 until noon we're grateful to have near era church in the house today looking forward to our second hour when we talk about the connection between ethnicities between the black and white churches in indianapolis stay tuned you're listening to Radio Next.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. Warp and Woof stands for the vertical horizontal threads that make fabric, and we're talking about Colossians 1.17 from a Christian point of view. By him, by Jesus, are all things held together. He is indeed the wholeness, the fabric of all of life, and all that we do and all that we say and all that we are is resident in the source of all things which is our lord and savior jesus christ so we are really grateful uh to do one of the things that we do in this community and that is to do good uh, simply by communicating doing good in this community and in this particular uh, wednesday we have the tremendous opportunity to have new era church with us uh, new era church pastor clarence seymour and uh, a team of folks here with him today to back him up. We spent the first hour uh, discussing the issues of education and something very specific to their church, uh, which is Operation New Hope. Operation New Hope emphasizing the opportunity for young people who are disadvantaged in that particular neighborhood around the IPS 42 school district uh, to have a specific program uh, four days a week, Monday through Thursday, at New Era Church. If you want to become involved in that particular uh, group with that uh, volunteerism behind you, uh, this is a great opportunity to check out New Era Church down on in Indianapolis Inner Circle. But in this second hour, we have uh, another opportunity, and that is to shift gears just a little bit and to do something that uh, we have given ourselves to on this radio station, and that is to bring black and white churches together to have a consistent presence, uh, not only in uh, in white settings, but also in black settings. And frankly, it's it's been a compulsion of mine, a compulsion of the Spirit of God uh, in my own life to uh, bring in as many folks who don't look like me as possible. So for those of you who aren't sure, uh, you're actually listening to a Euro-American here uh, this is uh, I have I'm of European descent, and uh, we are committed uh, to bringing in our African American uh, brothers and sisters into this particular community, and talking about the importance of the interconnection uh, that there ought to be between black and white churches in Indianapolis and also around the United States. So that's kind of a promo for the second half of this show. And uh, Pastor Moore, we're going to uh, ask you to take it away here and interact with some of the questions uh, that we have here. The first question uh, up to bat, I think, is an important one, and that is, uh, do we think that the local church should uh, look more like the universal big C church? And by that we mean Revelation 5, uh, that all people, all tongues, all nations uh, are going to be invested in the church, capital T, capital C. 
Uh, Pastor Moore, what do you think about that? And talk a little bit about the interconnections that you've made in this regard. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. It's, I'm, I'm excited about the second part of our conversation today. And I have with me um, a dear friend, uh, Pastor Steve Reeves, who pastors the Connection Point uh, Church in Brownsburg, Indiana. And uh, if you don't know that, uh, Connection Point is predominantly white congregation, growing in ethnicity as the Brownsburg community becomes more um, diverse. And New Era Church now, more like a downtown church, as you know, as a result of gentrification, uh, we have a lot of our uh, European uh, descent brothers and sisters coming back to the inner city. And so uh, what the Lord has put on my heart and on Pastor Steve's heart is, uh, you know, how can we begin to replicate and actually mirror what we believe God expects as it relates to uh, uh, the true church, the, the big C church as we call it. And that why is it that the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour, you know, uh, of the week. And, and we think, Pastor Steve and I, that that is an incredible black eye for, for the church. The hope of the world is the church. And if anyone can bridge that gap, I think the commonality of Christ in our hearts which uh, supersedes ethnicity and uh, pigmentation can help us cross that bridge. And so Pastor Steve and I uh, are doing some incredible things. I also have Derek Okoye, uh, who's on our team. Uh, uh, he's a Hawaiian uh, native. And so he, he's, he's, a, he's a bro, but he also understands all the cultures, you know. So he's kind of, what, uh, what are you, Derek? Are you, are you mixed? Are you just, what are you, man? Talk to us. Uh. Hawaiian. Um, I, well, the the funny part is, uh, I mean, it's uh, my descent, my ethnicity is Hawaiian. I was raised in Oakland, California. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I was raised in a predominantly black area, but uh, even after uh, uprooting myself out of that, um, I put myself in a business realm where uh, I was uh, really uh, around of a lot of other cultures as well. So, uh, I, I'm pretty diverse when it comes to understanding all these different cultures. Mark, he's also a millennial, and so I figured it'd be great to have a millennial on this on this uh, on this particular segment of our of our show. And then, of course, my dear friend, Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve, would you answer that first question about the Big C from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. As you alluded to, uh, certainly it's very clear where we're headed from the beginning. God tells us at the very end, the Book of Revelation is where we're going to end up. Where's the end game? So let's work our way back. How we're going to get there? When it mm-hmm. says every tribe, nation tongue you know every race will gather around the throne but yet we read through the old testament and we see prejudice like right out of the gate out of the gate prejudice is throughout the entire old testament that's what the whole whole story is about the fight among prejudiced people Mm -hmm. not just those of faith and not faith but prejudice you know the new testament of course when the gospel came and grace then now would be on the scene that take away prejudice i don't think so mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a challenge out of the gate and so the holy spirit Acts chapter 10 said no where we started here this whole book of revelation that's where we're going to end up so we got to talk about this mm. and so uh, certainly that prejudice um was a greater issue in that day even probably than it is today mm. I, i've heard some people use the analogy that often we could kind of probably maybe um just insert some of the language where when the Jews are mentioned, well, it's kind of the white group at the time. And the Gentiles become kind, of, kind of the people of color at the time. And, and just excluding them and things like that. And so it happened from the very beginning. It's always been around, but it's also not okay. 
Mm-hmm. That's it's exactly not, right. Yeah. It's just not okay. Uh, my background, I was raised in the city in Cincinnati. My wife and I went to city schools, and God called us to this white, lily-white congregation 31 years ago, mm-hmm. kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. I mean, we said no for a lot of reasons for nine months, but God brought us here. And um, so as we, in, our, in our, last, our last season of our ministry has been our most fruitful season in this particular area because it's been a burden from the beginning how God would begin to do this and God just brought Clarence and I together as friends and out of that the churches and things that been able to develop from that but you know for 30 years we've said where the spirit of the Lord is there's unity mm-hmm. that's just not inside the walls but those who are of the household of faith mm-hmm. regardless of color nationality wherever they are in culture and so if there's if the Lord's there, there's going to be unity. So mm-hmm. guess what? If you're not unified, mm-hmm. I wonder who's missing in the room. That's right. Pretty scary thing. I'm doing a lot of coaching with churches in my next season, getting ready mm-hmm. to retire from the local church here in a few weeks. But it's really going to be a lot about that's going to be gate one, you know, mm-hmm. talking to them straight out of the gate. If you are not united, you bet that's a, that right mm-hmm. there. That's a reality check. Mm-hmm. See where you're at. It's where the Spirit of the Lord is, there will be unity. So mm-hmm. you get on your face to make sure God's here first. Yes. Then once God is here, unity is going to happen. And so God kind of brought me and my friend together. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus talked about who is my neighbor. Mm-hmm. and gave these stories like the Good Samaritan, things like that we remember. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would finally say when it comes to the, the real Lord's Prayer, you know, what, what he prayed is he was preparing to go to the cross. In John chapter 17, he said, Lord, I pray that they mm-hmm. will be one as you and I are one. And that one is us mm-hmm. that right. one i think is is every believer yeah. and particularly i think he's definitely praying about divisiveness in the body and for whatever reasons and certainly color nationality and culture race those are the natural divisions of the world and we just follow the world sometimes a lot more than we do the church yeah absolutely <laughs> so our concern is for oneness uh john yes. 17 obviously uh three times in that prayer uh jesus actually prays for that very thing so when you think about uh doing this what what, what kind of uh what kind of impressions what kind of objectives what kind of uh processes are y'all putting into place uh so that this might be actually something that you are consciously actively participatorily involved with not just saying we need to do this but how are you going about doing this yeah that's a great question you know i i've um i feel that god has called me in this season also in the latter season of my ministry I'm not as fortunate as Steve to be able to uh, step out of this uh, full time and I'm working in a few weeks. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, he's going to come and be on my staff. How about that? There you go. Uh, but uh, you know, I've often said, you know, ministry starts first in Jerusalem, mm. and and to all of my white brothers and that are listening right now, uh, it's it's you have such an affinity to fly over Jerusalem mm. to the uttermost parts of the world. Mm-hmm. But ministry starts first in Jerusalem. Mm. And maybe Jerusalem is the inner city. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerusalem may be another community that you are not very comfortable in going and driving into. And so uh, what I've been challenging Steve, and Steve uh, has been very receptive uh, and, and, and unique, really, in how do you make sure that you're not just flying over us, mm-hmm. but you're coming into uh, the neighborhood as a brother, mm-hmm. you've heard me say often, we don't need Tarzan to swing in, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, to our jungle. Uh, uh, and, mm. and, you know, really, the, America is a jungle when you mm-hmm. think about it. Sure. We're, when spiritually, we're in a big mm. spiritual jungle. Mm. We just need someone that really cares and really wants to uh, hold hands and collaborate 
and began uh, to change the, the trajectory uh, of and the plight of all people in Jerusalem. Mm. Um, and so we don't want to be like, you know, the gentleman who walked past the, the, the brother land in the, in the gutter there in Jericho. Um, uh, we want to make sure that uh, we challenge uh, Hispanic pastors, our white pastors, our black pastors to find ways. Mm. And so you ask the question, you know, what are we doing tangibly? Well, he and I meet probably every other week for breakfast to talk okay. about, um, you know, our ministries and how we can collaborate. Um, and we are, you know, I'm happy to say that they are doing some tangible things. We're doing some tangible things, um, sharing resources um, that's unheard of in, in most churches. And uh, uh, we think New York, New York Church is an incredible place. Um, and I think Connection Point is another incredible place. And somehow God has put us together. Uh, and um, maybe Steve can talk a little bit more about uh, you know, Pastor Clarence, as you talk to pastors, particularly, let's say, Caucasian pastors that are out there, I think this is where, um, this is really where the rubber meets the road. I mean, yeah. they, they have to understand, they they must develop relationships first, I believe. Absolutely. Um, the congregation isn't probably going to be engaged until they know you really are engaged That's right. uh, in, in those relationships that way. Great point. When you, when I came to your place that Wednesday night, I said, you want to do breakfast? And I, we'll do it around the corner, and we just made yeah. a commitment to do that. Absolutely. And we've said often we we have an agenda, but really at the end of the day, it's just we 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 like each other, and now it's not we love each other, right? Mm-hmm. And and people who know us know that we also go to the same restaurant all the time. It's very visible in the city. We love watching people watching us. They're like, <laughs> what is up with these dudes, man? What's going? You're going to stay away. They're going to convert you over there. You better be on another table or something, you know. <laughs> so we have a lot of fun there. But the truth is, is it's authentic. You can't fake it. And I love. Clarence will say to me about once a month. Pastor Clarence will say, "You know, well, my, one of your members I saw the other day out in business and walked in there, and they said, our pastor loves your pastor.' Mm. Yeah, you know what church you go to? Connection Point Christian Church, <laughs> and we just both tear up every single time. Yeah. And people, this happens a lot in business. People will cross, you know, uh, will meet each other because we've had each other at each other's places. Yeah, uh, our folks come. We have a Saturday night service. A number of our folks now come Saturday night, and so they can go Sunday morning down to New Era. Absolutely. And we do some Wednesday night services together once in a while. He and I in each other's pulpit at least once a year. Right. We did a series last year on based on the movie. Right. Uh, what was the name of the movie? Uh, it was Tony Evans and, and Stone. Yeah, um, about the event in Alabama. Yes, you know, that's we, right. They uh, came together. Nathan, the football player. The both of us. That, we're getting too young. Yeah, uh, we the name are. Of movie? So uh, the Blind Side. Huh? The Blind Side. Is that what you're talking about? No, it wasn't the Blind Side. Okay. Um, it's a good uh, thing I brought it up because you know where ministers <laughs> ministers go when they retire. Where ministers go when they retire, they go out to pasture. That's what they do. So. Uh, but the mind goes, the mind goes first, yeah, though. That's well, the I'm, problem. I'm already gone to the pasture. But <laughs> anyway, it's a story of the high schools, you know. It was a predominantly um, very racial environment in Alabama. I think it was the first African-American player who played yeah, for Alabama Paul in Bear, college. Paul and Bear Bryant came yeah. and lived in their home until he would come instead of going to Auburn. Well, we built a six-week series around that, mm. and we had a small group that we, 
that we combined some people from both churches. Absolutely. And then we, we interviewed that those those people on the platform. They talked about the real kinds of issues you deal with today cross-culturally in a Sunday morning service. Mm. As a part of our venue, all of our small groups are going through this material. Mm. But it was just very, very helpful to talk that through, I think, and, mm-hmm. and to experience that kind of uh, thing together. But it doesn't work if it's not relationships. Right. And you can't fake it. People know whether you really do care for each other or not, and you're yourselves, and you you and I are enough alike. Yeah, our churches can both, I think, respond pretty well, pretty pretty open emotionally. I yeah. think that's helped our people as well to just receive us for what what they hear, what they see. Well, I think another real tangible thing we did. Uh, um, we had a young man in our church who was an up and coming great future pastor, I believe. Uh, that connection point we're looking to diversify their staff there so you, you go. got to do some very intentional mm-hmm. things right and so uh tony hart jr uh, which happens to be the son of my executive pastor okay. uh actually went over there to intern next thing i know they had hired him on their staff oh great and so he has moved from i think children's ministry to uh, youth ministry and now what's he doing now pastor tony He's doing adult ministry. Uh, so Pastor Steve's had the audacity in a predominantly white church to put an African-American young man on his team, not just to sing. Uh-huh, you know, that's the traditional way that white churches like to use. Mm-hmm. Or, and not just to clean. But guess what? He's actually going to be teaching small groups of uh, predominantly, uh, you know, white members, True. which is what it really takes, I think, Dr. Mark. Absolutely. Um, and uh, and they also support our after-school program. They give us half of the monies we need to hire our um, director of the after-school program. Oh, that's which great. I don't know if Pastor Stu knows that, but his outreach ministry supports us every year. In that. So those are some tangible ways that... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they came and took my my future senior pastor uh, <laughs> and uh, put him over. <laughs> I'm going to worry him by bringing myself back down there. So that's not, that's not a very good trade for them, I don't think. But they, they lost on that deal. <laughs> You're going to trade youth for age. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm bringing some experience, yeah. bro. Bring <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the things that, and I think it's important to, to at least make a comment about our history uh, in this country. It's important, I think, from... Uh, the Euro-American perspective that I come from to reach out to my African-American brothers. I believe that's my responsibility considering our history. Uh, Just to give you an example of this, uh, a lot of the students that I teach at uh, Capital Seminary Grad School out in the East Coast, a number of my students there are black. And I'm just on the phone yesterday with Charlie Mitchell, a great church planter down in inner city Baltimore. Wow. And what Mm -hmm. he and I are doing, because I'm an academic and I I really love academics and writing, I'm putting him, uh, including him in a byline and a journal that we're, journal article that we're writing together on the origin of the 20th century civil rights movement as it was birthed out of the biblical theological uh, soil. Absolutely. And so yeah. he and I are going to write together on this. Oh, really? I believe my job is to pass pass the mantle, as it were, to other folks. And I believe that that mantle passing needs to go to somebody, as I suggested earlier, doesn't look like me. So this is an important uh, discussion that we're having. We're going to come back after a quick break. You're listening to RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site, Warp and Woof Radio. We'll be right back. And we are back, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. You hear us every Wednesday morning from 10 until noon. And we are engaged with all kinds of different organizations around Indianapolis 
with our focal point, which is to do good out of Titus chapter 3. We are focused on institutions and organizations that are doing just that. And uh, this particular week, we have New Era Church uh, in the house with us, and we have been discussing in the first hour uh, the great opportunity for Operation More Hope that they are investing in their IPS 42 school here in downtown Indianapolis. And in this particular hour, we're talking about the interconnection between ethnicities, between black and white churches, Euro-American, African-American uh, men and women, and seeing each other, living life together, doing church together. And now we want to hear from somebody who maybe has spanned the years in a different direction. Uh, and I'm going to ask my friend Derek Akoy to talk about this and the opportunities that he has seen in his life uh, to actually spend time across borders, across cultures with folks. Uh, Derek, welcome. Thanks so much for spending some time with us this morning. We're really glad you're here. Just kind of riff on that in whatever direction um, you'd like to go. I mean, if they were here for the last uh, segment, I mean, you have all the answers. <laughs> I mean, uh, just, be, just being honest, looking at it, um, they uh, let's, let, let's, let's put a camera on these two guys and watch them do what they do, and then let's teach that as a course on this is how it's done. There you go. Uh, and that's being brutally honest, but what does that really mean is um, they're being intentional mm -hmm. about breaking down the barriers. Mm -hmm. They're doing it on purpose. Mm -hmm. And then even uh, when we're at Crossroads, at Crossroads I read uh, uh, one of the books uh, uh, was on like church planting and stuff like that, and they said one of the things you have to do if you want a multicultural church is have uh, the leadership has to reflect that as well. That's right. And he's already taken that step at, you know, uh, diversifying his staff. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he's diversifying the leadership there. So the congregation is going to follow mm -hmm. in those same steps. And then he's also taking steps away from, uh, uh, you know, maybe outside of his doors to help a friend. And it's it's just really being intentional. Mm -hmm. And congregations, people are going to watch it. The millennials are... Uh, they're going to sit back and watch and see what other people say about you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're going to sit back and they're going to look at social media. What does social media say to you? What does the re your review say? They're going to look at your pictures and say, uh, what does that church look like and do I want to be a part of that church? Mm -hmm. So in yeah. breaking down the walls, you've got to be very intentional. And let's be realistic. These guys are writing the playbook on it right now. Mm hmm yeah. That sounds good. So when we talk about these guys, we're talking about two different pastors, one African-American, one European-American. Uh, jump back in, anybody, on this, uh, this particular issue and, and discuss the concerns uh, that people might have uh, between removing these racial boundaries that uh, folks uh, generally see. What are the kinds of things that you find on a regular basis that you have to intentionally talk about breaking down boundaries what what are some of those walls that need to be broken down i know you all have lived life together that's a really important powerful statement to, to everybody but talk about some of the boundaries barriers walls that are yeah. erected I, I i'll go first uh, if i could uh I, <coughs> I was having breakfast with um another friend of mine who uh, uh pastors a predominantly white church uh and we were talking about the uh, documentary 13 okay. and he had shown it to his congregation and uh, you know um, pretty provocative uh, documentary uh, documenting the you know the Reagan years and some and, and all of that and things that ha have things have gotten to where they are today and he said to me he says <clears throat> my problem Clarence is that I don't always see the side of the coin that you see and that's a real, that's reality. Mm -hmm. He says, you may see it as heads, but I see it as tails. So 
and, and, and so I said, you know, that's a great point. I said, but let's not look at the side of the coin. Let's talk about what the coin—excuse <coughs> me—what the coin is made of. Okay. What is the very fabric of the coin? You're looking at tails. I'm looking at heads. But I want to talk about the very fabric of the coin. Mm. How was the coin developed? Mm. The coin that we're trying to flip was developed out of structural racism. Mm. America had a system of structural deprivation and racism. Let's not forget that that's what we're trying to turn around right. is a history. Right, a history That's right. Uh, of of a certain class of people being put in a certain level, and another class being uh, been subservient, another class being overseers, mm -hmm. and then from that, as we've been trying our best uh, to reflect what we believe heaven wants the mm -hmm. big C church to reflect, we're still dealing with a very faulty system that had many many structural. Mm -hmm. systematic issues that drive wedges between black mm -hmm. and white people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think at the core, let's acknowledge that we do have a structural issue here that we've got to begin to rebuild the foundation. Yep. Yeah, and the, issue so, of, yeah yes. the issue of rebuilding a foundation is an, an important point. Uh, Pastor Reeves, uh, jump in on this particular issue and this question. What are some of the walls that you see from yeah. your vantage point? Yeah, I think the real challenge, uh, it's one thing for them to know you can get together and serve down the road. Something else to come, can this be my church home? Am I, am I really welcome to here? Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. people wonder on either side of right. whether they're moving from, you know, the burbs toward the city or, or the <laughs> other direction, you know, uh, Caucasian or African American. Am I comfortable there? Because churches do have personalities they often reflect the personality of the pastor over time um, it involves culture uh, as far as your worship and how you respond and preaching style and all those things are That's factors right. and so one of the things i think that's a challenge all the time irregardless of the race issue is what kinds of churchy connection point talk feel the way we respond kind of things what are our rules mm -hmm. that make it unfriendly to somebody who comes in from a different culture Right. You know, I mean, to make that a little clearer, I mean, you know, there really is a factor about uh, just the way emotion is, is, you know, some people who would first come to the new era, they're not right. quite sure how this is going to go. Yeah. And it's a little louder than, than usual. You and, think so? And they're, and they're applauding <laughs> when you're preaching and stuff. And you think so? And it's like, you know, and, you know, and that kind of deal. So it was funny, of course, the week I preached after preaching 30 years, my son, my adult son uh -huh. uh, here in town came and, and uh, here, when I preached at your church, he said, Dad. That's the best sermon I've ever heard you preach. I said, son, that's the best sermon I've ever heard anybody listen to, all right? <laughs> so it's, it's a listen that makes the preacher, all right? And so, yeah, I love Tony Campolo's line, you know, years yeah. ago, raising the, yeah, the Italian so, uh, social, uh, sociologist, you know, who uh, was in Philly, all African-American church, and he just loved it. He said, listen, I know when I'm preaching downtown in Philly, I know how I'm doing. Mm -hmm. They're cheering me on. They're saying amen. <laughs> Come on. Say it again. Come on, brother. A little louder. You know, this yeah. kind of thing. He said, but, you know, if I go out in the white church, man, I don't know how I'm doing. I don't know if it's landing or not. <laughs> You've been to my place. But for five times, I'll say, excuse me, y'all didn't hear me. Let me say, try right. that again. Exactly. I've got to work that so hard exactly. to get them to understand that. But you come at your place, yeah. my man, you know, like Ken Paulo said, when, and then when I'm bad, at least I know I'm bad. He said, one time I was preaching in Philly and lady stood up in the back. She said, help him, Jesus, help him. So, you know, either way, what's going on? I didn't feedback what we have the other and know how we're doing. Let's lay it out there. But yeah, I do think that's a real issue for people. They, you know, it and is. if they don't live in the community, I also think, you yeah, know, cross ethnically, they're also not going to worship there, right? Unless 
they have some relationships, right? And they know you really want them there, right? Yeah, and I think the right. other piece too is, uh, as we're talking about barriers, is trying to move from a trans transactional relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, making sure you have food, you you know, don't. But how do we begin to develop a more a deeper transformational? relationship as mm -hmm. black and white churches mm -hmm. and that that that's a little bit more uh buy-in uh in relationally is a sure. deeper relational piece and there are times that steve and i <coughs> look at certain things we don't always see things eye to eye we understand mm -hmm. that yeah. you know we we're from different backgrounds yep. uh but i think at the core what drives us is our love for christ there you go and if, and and when you when you have that uh then you're able to begin to take risk, mm -hmm. get out of your comfort zone. Right. That's what Christ did right. when he went into Samaria. Mm -hmm. You know, he set the tone of what it's like to right. leave your comfort zone and go to a place. Mm -hmm. And you remember that whole interaction. Even the Samaritan woman was surprised mm -hmm. to see that white guy at the well. Now I'm saying white guy. I know he was black, really. So we'll talk about that later, what, yeah. what color he was. <laughs> <laughs> but from Steve's analogy mm -hmm. of the Jew back then being kind right. of the white, you know, right. community and the uh, Samaritan being kind of the you know the minority community. Well, this is this yeah. comes directly out of Scripture in Ephesians chapter two when we talk about breaking down the walls of of enmity between each other, uh, the issue of Jew and Gentile, and of course Jew and Samaritan. Uh, Jesus certainly set the stage for this and and showed us how it should be done. Absolutely, I'm always thinking about about the uh, sons of thunder who when. <laughs> They said, you know, should we just call down fire from heaven and obliterate these Bring people? It. You know, <laughs> Jesus says, this is Zeckel's free translation. What's yeah. up, man? What's <laughs> up? What's up with that? At least. <laughs> what are you That's doing that for? Yeah. Right. Purified this place, right? That's right, yeah. You know, Steve is actually writing a book on Ephesians, okay. and so uh, I don't know okay. if we have time for Steve. Oh, please, share. go ahead. Yeah, jump what are you yeah. doing, man, stepping out in deep waters on this book? Well, uh, forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be the book of Ephesians, basically our journey of 30 years but really will be the the the, the heart of it's going to be basically restored from brokenness to health nice and really out of the gate we're going to talk about it's about gentile inclusion for the sake of the gospel mm -hmm. i mean that's the beginning of the letter for the sake of the gospel yes let's include everybody because the church was then doing what it's doing today mm -hmm. it became about comfort very early we thought that's something new that's not something new mm -hmm. it's about comfort it's about keeping out the outsiders this is our little club right and so and so when you add race to that it even intensifies right. we do that anyway and right. so it and so you just have to get back to what is the mission you know is the mission inside the walls okay if it's not then we must include all people so what does that look like as we move toward that because that's the historic hostility is a fact that's right and so if you fast forward to the end of the book to revelation <laughs> and you read uh, if you read about the ephesians who had their doctrine really good. They oh, had the doctrine down, but they, they didn't good. love each other. Right. Hello? Does this sound vaguely from me? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. We see with the Spirit of the Lord is there's unity. The Holy Spirit does not anoint plans. Mm. He anoints people. Mm -hmm. And so if people are connected, that's what's going to transcend even your little plan. You own, right. on, a, on a bulletin board somewhere, plan comes out of that. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> it's really Absolutely. important to have a mission statement. Everybody's yes. got to have a mission. But our mission is driven by the gospel, as you well say. Uh, this has got to be the centerpiece uh, for all that we're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, when we let's take take this a little bit further and uh, talk about some of the you, you mentioned the word comfort. So let's let's kind of hit the comfort issue yeah. here just for a moment, <laughs> because when we're talking about white churches and black churches, there are different kinds of comfort zones. Absolutely. So talk about how you're. 
Talk about <coughs> comfort generally and then how you're transitioning across those comfort zones in each other's churches. So I know at New Era Church, um, we have been very intentional uh, in restyling our worship. Mm. Not only the environment, but also uh, the kind of music we sing. Mm -hmm. um, we are making sure that the genre of music that we bring on an, any given Sunday speaks to who we call unhaggy. That's the, that's the lady that Pastor Steve talked about that stood up in the church and said, Help him, Lord. Mm -hmm. And Haggy needs to hear that old gospel freedom music. Mm -hmm. Right? But then we also realize that our millennials want to have that, what we might call uh, worship music. Uh, moving from the experiential mm -hmm. kind of music to who God really is. Mm -hmm. and so we've been, our genre, we have a, a great worship leader who's able to bring all kinds of genre. Mm -hmm. My preaching style has changed. Mm. I've I've gone more to a didactic, exegetical kind of preaching, okay. whereby uh, my my cadence is still there, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's more teaching. Um, I do think that that has helped. We're also trying to embellish our facilities because I think that's important. It's hard for a African American church, for lack of a better word, compete with a predominantly white church that have so many more resources right. and so much better facilities. And that's why I think a lot of our, our middle-class African-American families feel at home in the white church mm -hmm. because they have the amenities. Yes. They have the great children's areas. They, mm -hmm. they have uh, the, 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 the small group pastor where the black church may only have one pastor mm -hmm. and let alone, you know. So, right. so we're, we're trying to, trying to uh, provide all those kind of things from my perspective to try to create an environment where whether you... Now, Derek is one of our team members on our staff and uh, um, has been really instrumental in helping us mm. in uh, uh, trying to become more diverse. Mm. Um, we still want to become even more diverse and more intentional sure. in adding, um, uh, you know, a, a white male or female that's out front right. uh, in, in our services. And I think that uh, that's going to happen within the next year or two. Good. So... And we would say we try to do the same thing, in particular in regard to music genres, um, yeah. because we are again we're a 180 year old church. It's 180th year of this church. Now mm -hmm. it's going on 30. They were kind of starting afresh, you know, 30 years ago. But we still have a very traditional service with a lot of older people. But there also are people who've been raised in church, love the great hymns of the faith right. and those kinds of things. And so we do. A, we try to vary a lot. Even our other our other services as well, with a lot of modern or in that way. But at the same time, we try to blend both. And I find that certainly, again, if they've been uh, perhaps in an African American culture, more likely than not, they've heard those hymns. Absolutely. Often, I think sometimes yeah. in those we are reaching sometimes who are in the Caucasian community. It's just a beat. Not been in the church. They've never even heard them before. You guys sing so slow. We sing. We, we, uh, we pick it up. <laughs> and we <laughs> sing it thirty five <laughs> times, dude. <laughs> you know. There's a phrase. <laughs> we use with our people. I try to bring it up quite regularly. We put up with things we don't like to reach people who are not like us. Mm -hmm. And that's true in a worship service, too. If, mm -hmm. if everything in this service is just your favorite thing, 
if you're as opinionated as I am, and you have taste the way I do, we're probably missing somebody, if right. I like everything, the most. So maybe that's a harsh way to say it. And one of my mentors, who's a really wise man, about 90 years of age, brings some mustard behind that. And he just said, you know, we, we do put up with things we don't like so that we can reach people who are not like us. Wow. And that's why when you're doing that, folks, this is why. If we're going to reach everybody, then we have to move this direction. It sounds know? like Paul, doesn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wanted to ask, I'm, I'm going to mm -hmm. put Derek on the spot here yeah. and ask him uh, a question. Uh, Derek and I go back a ways. Uh, we've spent a little bit of time in a classroom together, a uh, little bit of time talking about a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been to my house, and we've gone out to eat a number of times, talked about lots of different issues. Uh, one of the things that stuck out to me as, I talk, as we heard Pastor Moore talk about uh, his preaching style changing to a didactic, that is a change to toward teaching emphasis. Talk a little bit about what you are doing in the church at New Era in terms of curriculum development and the necessity of building a strong foundation of teaching and curriculum in this church. Oh my, okay. Uh, what I'm doing there, uh, it, pastor kind of gives me assignments that he, he say, hey, I want to teach something like this or I want to teach something like that. And then uh, I get on, uh, get my nose in the books to figure out uh, uh, exactly uh, what needs to be taught, how it needs to be taught, stuff like that. So some of the great courses uh, we've taught, we've taught apologetics. Of course, we flip the name to not say apologetics to scare people mm -hmm. off, but defending the faith. Yeah. Simple, simple things like that. Um, instead of hermeneutics, we taught how to read the, how to study the Bible. And then it's it just the birth out of him that he wanted to do these things. And I had a little bit of a talent to, to get these things organized. Just and a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit of a talent. So yeah. uh, um, I... We have um, like foundational curriculum for our children's mm -hmm. church and our youth, but uh, I take that and then uh, I, I tweak it to kind of fit... Um, uh, our congregation, uh, or, or, or our our youth, where the, whether it's going to the children's church, which is pre-K through the fourth grade, or our tweeners, or tweeners groups is the fifth grade or the eighth grade. I, I kind of retweak the um, uh, the teaching style to that mm -hmm. one, and then we even have a, a you know our high school age uh, that uh, we use kind of the same curriculum, but then uh, we, I, I help to redevelop that to mm -hmm. teach it to those all of those age groups. Mm -hmm. I can't think of anybody better than you to do this, Derek. Honestly, yeah. uh, you've got an awful lot of great stuff going on there. Go Absolutely. And, and what's so special about Derek, he can develop a curriculum for children all the way to adults. And right now you might want to share what you're doing on Wednesdays as I, I confuse people. Oh. On, I'm preaching through the book of Revelation. Okay. I'm confusing the heck out of people. <laughs> <laughs> you're confused. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm confused. What's that thing? That if it's a, if there's a, a, a fog in the pulpit, there's a mist in the pew or something like that. Yeah, but but anyway, good. what is Derek doing on Wednesday nights? Derek, tell them what you're doing. Okay, so what, uh, when it started uh, to be just a, a short series yeah, on Revelation, uh, so right. he's, he's preaching through the book of Revelation, um, and then he's like, oh, I'll get it done in a couple of weeks. I was oh, like, my. <laughs> 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 no way. It was like, there's no way. That's I was going to do the typical kind of a preacher, you know, hit the real life Ephesus, yeah. you know, sure. where, where is your love, yeah. those kind of good sermons, mm -hmm. but the Holy Spirit said, no, stay there. And I've been there 18 weeks, so oh. what's happening? Uh, yeah, so we're 18 weeks into it, so it started out in a couple of weeks, but uh, basically what I end up doing is uh, he preaches it on uh, Sunday morning and on Wednesday um, the chapters that he covered I go in depth and then I, uh, I go in depth I answer all like oh the we have two different groups we have a noon Bible study and then we have another one at 630 um, the noon Bible study I'll just say 
ev- I think the youngest person that goes to that is is twice my age or close <laughs> to. <laughs> close. No, not, not, maybe not that far, but close to. But they're still. Uh, uh, they're in there inquisitive trying to learn and then i i'm just appreciative that uh, they appreciate my teaching style because there's there's a few of them that said i've been through a few revelations classes i've never heard any of this mm-hmm. and i said good and then uh they had questions sometimes i'll have questions from <coughs> pastors uh preaching that he, he there's he has a limited amount of time and then we have you know a few hundred people in the audience that can't just stop and be like hey what does that mean or what does that mean by that so on wednesday we really get to dig in the classroom type setting and we go through the book uh, the chapters of revelations that he covered um in his previous sermon yeah that's so good you know to have somebody of derek's caliber in your church just much be so exciting for you pastor this is a huge thing it really is uh, let me step out in a different direction maybe uh i don't know that we've necessarily uh planned on talking about this but let's let's talk about the future as it relates to the church generally and the importance of theological depth in the church and the importance of having people like a Derek Okoy on your staff who can go deep and help people to understand uh, what's being said in those kinds of areas. Talk, let's talk about the church's future in, in terms of theological depth and the importance of of having that for the future of the church when persecution may come to this country and the importance of what that actually looks like. I know I'm kind of hitting you guys sideways here, so jump in anytime. I'm glad to hear you say that, Ben, that we're really uh, turning that up in our environment. Um, There's a a university in Tennessee called Johnson University. They actually have landed somebody in Indy for the specific purpose of having classes here, ministry. And so just last week, our people were signing up for the first time for these courses from an accredited Bible college Mm -hmm. seminary university for either ministry training or business, either one. And uh, they can take these classes. They'll come right to our church. Our staff will intern them. uh, And then they'll actually do practicums in the life of the church. But that's definitely where we're we're moving big Mm -hmm. time. To really bring some really um, you know high highly educated folks yeah. you know to teach us in addition to other things like global leadership summit and things like that that we host and mm-hmm. New Era comes to that with us to get uh, together as other churches learn but but to the academic side of it I mean to know what we believe and that's why this book it's got to be right through Ephesians you know mm-hmm. and much as I like that's my favorite thing is to go right through the the Bible yeah. and just to go right through it because the same things that we're dealing with today they're dealing with right there it talks about I love when he says in Ephesians 2 the mystery you know be revealed I mean that's right. racial <coughs> ethnicity mm-hmm. and yeah. people will marvel at it we joke about sometimes when he and I are hang out where people go, what are, the, what are these guys doing? It's, we get a kick out of them looking at us like, what is, what is wrong with it? What is up with this picture? Absolutely. And I think about that, the mystery being revealed, the Absolutely. manifestation being made known. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting little piece on that. But the point is, Scripture does address those same issues right where we are, and we have to take our cues from that and certainly have people have to know that what does God say about it? Because mm-hmm. culture, the... the Right. The rule keeps moving, doesn't it? That's not the truth. Right. And, and Dr. Mark, you know, your point is so well taken. And that's one reason that I, I had the audacity to delve into the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the whole, you know, eschatology and with all of the apocryphal and, and all of the other mystical things that goes on in that book, really going deep theologically, you know, and of course, uh, challenging my members mm-hmm. to see scripture a little differently than what they have done. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Heibel says that um, when he first started, you know, Willow Creek, mm-hmm. that, you know, there was all about the seeker-friendly, making mm-hmm. it f- 
But he realized that what happened was people were a mile, uh, you know, long in their faith, but an inch deep. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, and so he had, now he had to go back and retool in the mm-hmm. last 10 years and say, you know what? Right. We can't our people can't get through a storm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they, they don't really know Christ. Right. They know of him. Right. They don't have the relationship yes. that they need to develop. So, if, so you, mm-hmm. if we go back to scripture on this, again, uh, Colossians chapter 2 emphasizes being rooted in rooted. Christ. So there's a necessity right. of That's this right. deep theological understanding right. Absolutely. Uh, that, that is born out of a biblical mindset uh, that comes out of a curricular kind of uh, training that uh, folks like uh, Derek Okoy can do for a church like yours. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, let's take this even uh, a step further and ask this question. I know this might uh, might put a couple noses out of joint uh, on the airwaves here today, but how often do we actually watch movies of different ethnicities than we usually do. So if we take, for instance, uh, 12 Years a Slave, for instance, or we take, for instance, Hidden Figures, uh, we take any of these, I, I wonder, I want to say to my white friends, have you watched those movies? And then I want to say to my black friends, have you watched uh, movies that expose or explain uh, a European Mac background and understanding so that we consistently are doing this? Do you think that it's necessary in this culture which is driven by media, to understand media better, even within an ethnic context. What do you think? <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's really amazing you mentioned that. For those of you listening, uh, over the next six weeks, we're going to have three movie nights at New oh. Era Church. Uh, and I didn't know that, by the way. You So we're bringing the movies, actually, into the community. And uh, uh, we're going to be doing the Left the Left Behind movie. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and then we're going to be doing The Shack. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's uh, so. Those are movies that I think do transcend ethnicities. Okay, but they have a powerful message. Uh, but yeah, being intentional, get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. and uh, I went to Hidden Figures, and I was surprised. Most of the audience was white. Mm-hmm. I was glad to see that. Oh yeah, because yeah. it's a great, great movie, and it's historical. Right. Uh, but yeah, those are the kinds of things that uh, Mark, you you're right. Uh, we've got to be uh, the real McCoy Christians. Mm. Who genuinely love people regardless of their exterior? Yeah, that's it. Wasn't it Isaiah who said, "I sat where they sat." Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, you just have to Absolutely. get in that seat and understand what you don't understand. Yeah, and then uh, my home, my first home church in Oakland, California. Uh, you want to talk about multi ethnicity? <laughs> um, the uh, worship leader was Hispanic. The drummer was a white guy. There's a Filipino that was a, a guitarist, um, and I think uh, the bass guitarist was a black guy. So you, you just have everything. But it's a little bit easier over there because I can go 10 feet and find a, a, another ethnicity. I can go, you know, a block and find another ethnicity there. So it's a little bit easier there um, for us to understand the other mm-hmm. culture. But maybe somewhere in this area where there's... Uh, just white and black and then there's a separation of where they stay and what they do and they don't necessarily intermingle movies might be that first step that's right towards uh, educating them or uh, getting them comfort comfortable Mm. uh, with other ethnicities Mm. well as we close out this uh, particular week's broadcast here we're really happy to have had new era church 
And of course, Pastor Reeves uh, from Connection Point over in Brownsburg. We're grateful for all of the uh, folks who have joined us here this morning. Uh, you are listening to Radio Next.tv at the Cool Groove site, Warp and Roof Radio. Next week, we have a real treat. Uh, we are going to have the 2014 Teacher of the Year from North Central uh, High School uh, here on 86th Street, North Central. Yeah, HB is <laughs> strutting his stuff over here. Ah. North Central High School, his name is Steve Perkins. He teaches Latin. We're going to be discussing classical Christian concepts uh, next week when we talk about education. Uh, that is going to be all for us today. Wednesdays, every Wednesday from 10 until noon. You don't want to miss Warp and Woof Radio. We will see you next week.